Hello, welcome to another episode of the Startup Show by the Kenyan Wall Street. My name is Ali Mwakaneno Gakweli, your usual host. So today we want to explore coffee. Well, not the Kenyan coffee. We want to go a little bit up north to Sudan. And we're sitting with Munyang Rethair, who is the CEO and founder of 734 Coffee. So 734 Coffee is a coffee company that's been selling um, coffee mostly in the U.S., but then they grow the coffee in um, in Gambella, which is seven degrees north, um, 34 degrees east, hence the name of the company. And we want to really understand the story behind 734 Coffee and uh, specifically delve into why the company is planning to, you know, settle back or rather set up in Africa, you know, after all these years operating in the U.S. Welcome to the show, Manyang. Thank you for having me. What's the story behind, you know, 734? Why Why did you decide to start, you know, a coffee company and not any other company in this case? I have opportunity to be in America when I was young. And so I see, you know, what young people can do to lift up the empower a community. And I feel like I, I want to do it in East Africa too. Um, I'm originally from South Sudan, which, which currently I am now. But I feel like there's need to be a lot of empowerment in South Sudan. Uh, Gambela in particularly, because it was a refugee camp uh, where I was living for 13 years. So the only thing that they sell in that region was coffee. And they have a lot of things, but, you know, important and export is very complicated. So I feel like if I want to help my community have a better story to tell, tell what they really have, and you can come and find it and see it, it's a coffee. And so um, that's when we start uh, 734 coffee maybe just to know you a little bit better how old is the company and uh, like how did you actually really really start i get the story from gambela but then what was the actual you know experience in setting up the company you know sourcing coffee from from gambela and uh, and selling it in the us what are some of the challenges that you went through i mean there's a lot of paperwork to bring coffee from a very rural area and in a region and then, you know, like coffee, big company don't want you to succeed as a small guy. So there's a lot of challenges to, to do that. And you also have to set up like a co-op organization because that's what the big company do to knock out the small guy. And then you have to follow the process of shipping and all that stuff and the standard. Um, they, I mean, it, it's a lot of work. I mean, it, it seemed like easy now, but it's almost take us nearly three years to just set up, you know, uh, coffee to just chip it, you know, like to, to just send it out. So there were a lot of paperwork involved. Um, you know, we, we don't start with money, with big money. So there was a lot of that challenge itself. Um, so, so it was very, very hard. You know, all the paperwork, I can tell you, a lot of paperwork involved in, in, in the process and the, the standard, how you keep up. Now you get 35 and graded to be special A coffee and all that stuff. And what you make your coffee to be great, all those kind of things, you know, a lot of writing, a lot of, you know, proving the point, going to this testing people, you know. Just to understand you better, Manyang, um, you source your coffee from Gambela, produce it in Washington, D.C., and then sell it across the country. How does this work? Yeah, so, so the, our, our main target was, uh, our main target was uh, Washington, America, D.C. from the very beginning. We're trying to have a good coffee where uh, we, because I, I, when I went to America, I live in Richmond, Virginia, and then D.C. area. So I feel like I built a lot of network. 
And then I also want to give them something that is coming from my hometown, uh, which is a good coffee. And so our target audience has been in DC. Let me bring coffee from my village. Share with my friend. At least give me something to talk about conversation. Uh, and completely, you know, I don't feel like I left home because I always come back into it. Um, and so that was a target audience of our, um, right now, even though we end up, uh, going to different city, it has been that, uh, target, you know, the, the idea that, you know, like let's bring coffee from our own village, help those farmers have a better opportunity. Just do that, you know, keep the process. Uh, so that's what I, you know, that's what we were doing. How long has 734 COVID been in, um, in the U.S.? The 734 in process, like just the process itself, like nearly, uh, nearly uh, eight years now, but this is including the process when it's starting the program. But so we've been operating like just selling coffee uh, five years now. So um, the beginning part of it is like nearly you know, eight years and all that stuff. Um, so that's that's when we started it, you know, but the operation and selling and shipping and all these five years. Okay, so five years of um, selling coffee from from Sudan to, to the US. What are some of the successes that you've had in the American market? The first thing is that people actually like our coffee, you know. At the first, they just say, well, you know, I'm friend with Menyang. Uh, why don't I try it, you know? And then on top of it, some people will just come, yeah, Menyang has been doing, has been known to do charity work. So let me just buy one coffee. But the good part of it is when they actually, actually try our coffee, they'll come back. This time is not because like, oh, he's, he's doing charity work. Oh, I'm helping this poor child in Africa. This time is actually the coffee is actually good. You know, it's not about a way to get a donation thing, you know, kind of situation. But the coffee actually is a really, really good coffee. And so that has been the biggest surprise that we actually get from people. They'll come back and say, you know what? I have to be honest. You know, when I buy your coffee at first, I just wanted to help, you know, get back, you know, just buy a coffee. But now, you know, like I actually, I actually love your coffee. And not because like I just want to feel like I, I donate to a poor child in Africa or anything like that. It's just like I love your coffee. So... That has been our market strategy and that's been the success part of it. And, and also the major company that are buying from us, uh, especially the UN Foundation is buying from us. Um, the UNICEF uh, New York is buying from us. Um, the USAID in Washington, D.C. So it's just like that. You know, that's where you find the market. You know, you, you find people that are going to push your products and work with you. And, you know, on top of that, we've been in like a, uh, major news in, in America, you know, like we even was on the news that was written by former Prime Minister of UK, Gordon Brown, in 2018. That also helped us a lot more. Uh, we were in the Wall Street, um, uh, which is like a, a NASDAQ and stock, all that, that, that news. Uh, and then the NPR, and you know, all the news articles, the now this uh, audience. So those are the things that also like grab the attentions and we get like endorsement from celebrity like Beyonce, you know, that say, you know, all that's those kind of thing, you know, like those, those are the success uh, story other than just saying the, you know, the coffee itself and, and, the, and the work that we do. Those have been the successful story um, that we've been excited to, to see.
beyond just what um, 734 Coffee does, you know, with with supporting families, especially um, back in South Sudan. Well, just before I, I sort of gloss over into that, could you tell me a little bit of some some of the sustainability initiatives done by 734? Then we can get into, you know, um, you guys coming back in Africa. Yeah, I mean, right now uh, we have 10 scholarship uh, kit in the school. So uh, every year we're going to increase it to more. Every year we're going to have like 10 more people that uh, is paid um, by 734 scholarship. So we have a, a 10 kid in university. In the last five years, I feel like that's a change that um, has been meaningful because, you know, those kids deserve a better opportunity to go to college. You know, like I, I've been a refugee for 13 years and I had wanted to go to school and college and educate myself. Um, but, you know, imagine you live in a refugee camp and you don't have uh, opportunity you, you graduated, you go to kindergarten, you go to primary, you go to high school, and then you uh, graduate high school with a great average, you know, and you couldn't go to college because your family don't have money and because you are also a refugee. This hurt many families. And we feel like with 734, we identify ourselves as a resilient company, a refugee company that is working to try and help those challenges. And that would be our sustainability goal. The next thing is that economic vitality, you know, bring it all the way back. It's like creating a job, even if we, we create 10 jobs, three jobs. Uh, right now we're working with nearly 300 farmers. So over the long term, we feel like we, we're going to grow up with them and change their life. Uh, that is also a job opportunity with, with the social uh, change. Uh, the bigger part of who we are also is telling the story. I feel like people has not told the story of refugee much. They just tell them in a term of like a poor kid people with a belly. And, you know, especially when you come from a part of the world that I'm coming from, like especially South Sudan, um, we get the baddest part of, of charity issue. Like, you know, little kid with belly, uh, a flyer on their mask system. That is very, 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 very hard, you know, like so. So we hope that we will tell the story of different side of the story of resilience. You know, you, you come out from a painful past but you make a change in a way where it give back to community. It, it's positive and, you know, creating company is not easy, but you, you, you see a great joy, you see the vision, you see, you know, it's tough. But, and I mean, that's a lot to be said, but I see the vision, I see the idea, I see, I see the drive, I, you know, like those are the things that all wake me up at night. The idea that you can create a job, the idea that you can send a kid to school, the idea that you, People in the U.S., when they come to my office and looking for a job, they're excited to get a job. You know, people here that we're going to hire in South Sudan, they're excited to have a job and be proudful. You know, that is that is what I am very excited and happy about to see. You know, Manyang, before we really, really move to um, the main part of this story, I want to ask you this question. What does one cup of coffee, one cup of 734 coffee mean to you? It means education. I mean, the story of refugee would be told. I mean, one cup, I mean that we will give you giving a child in refugee camp, not in a way of charity, not in a way of donation. It means that this story would be told positively, not by charity eye, but by product eyes, by, by the idea of we refugee can stand up and, and create company. We refugee can go to school, create our own opportunity. We East Africa can also create opportunity for ourselves and trade for one another. That's what this cup tell you. It also means it gives you energy, energy to do work. You know, like I, I, I can tell you, 
you will never invite somebody for coffee and tell them I'm mad at you. That's why I'm invited you for coffee. You will never do that. You invite people for coffee, people you like, people you want to have a good conversation with. That is totally to be told, and it's always a good time. And so we can tell our our good story, give people a better, you know, sit them in a table, enjoy their coffee, and give them the positive light look of, you know, how things works. You no, know? and that is what the seven thirty four cup mean. That education to a child in the University of Nairobi. That education for a child in the University of Wisconsin. That education for a child in Khartoum, in Ethiopia. That is what the cup mean to us. But another thing is, it mean we telling a positive impact. I cannot stress this much, but we cannot always depend on telling a different. You know, resilient can come in a form of way where you say, you know what, it was tough, but I see the vision now. You know, Manyang, when you talk about resilience, um, there, there, there are two aspects of it when you look at 734 Coffee. Of course, mm-hmm. there's, there's this company um, that's recreating the face of Sudan out there, you know, mm-hmm. showing, like showing Sudan to be beyond just, you know, a place yeah. where, like with, with refugees, there's, this is a country that's establishing itself with coffee that's actually really, really great coffee. And you know what? You should try it out. And also, again, there's various initiatives that you're doing with with the refugee campus, for example. But then away from that, I, I want to look at, you know, your homecoming. So as we have this conversation, you are in Juba, right? Working on a water project that's part of the setup of um, 734 Coffee Coming Back Home. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. So I was guilty uh, when I started 734. I was just looking a big picture of how we can actually sell in America. And, you know, do good there and create job opportunity there, buy the coffee, send it back. But then I want a documentary in, in West Africa that's a coconut, you know, like a farmer that never tests a coconut, you know. And, and it, it hurt me personally. I say, maybe I'm doing the same thing. I buy a coffee from farmer, send it to America. The farmer really never really tried the coffee. So maybe I don't, I don't need to be like that. I need to open a coffee shop where the, actually the farmer, if they want to come to the town and drink and, you know, and try their coffee, with a pride and great attitude, no, then they work so much and even to see their coffee in the shell in their home country, I think that will make them happy. And so that is a, that's a homecoming on, on it, you know, like, like, like when people call me in US now, I have a line. And when they call me, they say, oh, you know, I'm calling because of that, this is happening, this happened. And when we tell them, you're calling us from South Sudan, people are actually excited about it. Because they feel like they're talking people from South Sudan directly, you know, and, and the, the customer are very happy about it because like there's no other company that does that, that connect you to the, to the real source and their headquarter and wherever the East Africa operation can actually answer the phone or call you back, you know. So, so that's also a big exciting part of our growth. That is we trying to tell the world, look, you know, if we want to do it, let's do it the right way. Let's, let's, let's open a coffee shop in, in South Sudan and hopefully in Kenya as well. So that's what we're trying to drive now is our overall goal is let's work with the farmer and let them actually drink the coffee that we sell in the U.S. I get the reason behind you um, coming, coming back home, but then Munyang, let's talk about the timing, you know. 
are you you're setting up 734 in in, in well in south sudan sorry hopefully in kenya way later right now and there's there's a couple of things happening that i'd probably get into the discussion um later including you know the difference policy changes and uh the political landscape of you know south sudan versus you know other markets that you've operated in but then meanwhile let's look at the differences here what are some of the differences that you anticipate as you set up in terms of you know policy and uh in the general environment of South Sudan and how are you planning to, you know, leverage on these things and how are some of these aspects going to work, you know, for or against you? I mean, of course, in any business, there's a risk involved, you know, as much as we would like everything to just go up and boom, the business is here. You know, there's a lot involved in business, there's a risk involved. Um, we were, you know, the first risk that I encountered trying to set up a coffee shop was bad water, you know, South Sudan, has a bad water here. So I come here, try and open a coffee shop in August, and then I find out the water are really, really, even the water that you see in the container were not purified well. So when you put our coffee in it, it tastes like a hot chocolate. You know, that can also hurt your kidney. This is what I was talking about early. Um, and so we couldn't just open our coffee shop knowing that the water would make our coffee taste like hot chocolate, give people a bad kidney. And then on top of that is like equality, you know, like we, we don't want people in the U.S. have a best coffee and then South Sudan have a bad coffee that tastes like a hot chocolate and the coffee come from here. So that was the first challenge for us. So we, we, we put in the water factory now and when we open that, that challenge will be solved. Now that's low growth in South Sudan, which is also another thing um, that's going to be challenging. South Sudan unknown to drink um, the good coffee or, or the coffee as in general. But like a country is growing, you know, they don't know coffee like that. And, you know, most people, they hadn't have idea. Even some people tell me you make money on coffee. Like, why would, how do you make money on coffee? You know, because the idea of selling coffee for them, it just seemed like, you know, like coffee is here. Why would I, you know, like you can give somebody coffee. They wouldn't see there's money in it, you know. So that's that challenge. And also, you know, there's a political challenge you see it too, because of Sudan um, separated from Sudan and then itself uh, get into some trouble uh, with itself, you know, fighting one another and all that stuff. So, but, you know, we from here, you know, 734 was founded to work with the risky community. That was idea, like an area where we feel like we are built from refugee company. We, it is our DNA that we don't fear the risk of working in a risky area. You know, this is our DNA. That's what 734 was start from, to tell the story of refugee, to change a positive perspective of South Sudan, to change the positive perspective of refugee, to tell the people, look, no matter how far you come, you can always make it. You know, like I tell you my story, if as, as a young man, I went to refugee camp as a job three, moving from one refugee to uh, one refugee camp for 13 years, you know, one camp from another. So when I get the opportunity, you know, I, I lost all my family in uh, in that regard because I didn't have them, you know. Didn't know my father was, uh, find out my father died, at, you know, couldn't know in 96. So I was I was young and I didn't know. But the struggle didn't make me bitter. It didn't make me lose hope. It didn't make me feel like I'm, I'm less than anybody else. It just made me, I want to do more. I want to do more. I want to better myself. You know, I, I work, work as a person, work so hard, go to college, go to college again, 
And now, you know, like I also teach in George Mason University as a professor. This is a personal, like if I just want to follow that career, I'm already successful in that regard. But, you know, I want to get back even more. I want to get back through product or positive change. And those risky things will always be there. Uh, we know that, you know, there's a lot of risk involved in South Sudan and there may be a situation where we may have delay a bit. Like, for example, it already started, the water delay us. There may be another thing that delay us, but we will be here. We will have 734 here. We will have our present here. No matter how, you know, how tough the policy are, we will work with them. We'll try to find our way. Um, that is what the, the vision is. You know, Manyang, first of all, before, uh, before I, I go on, um, South Sudan is turning 10 today, right? Yes. Happy independence for you guys. Second thing, you know, you've talked about risks and uh, specifically risks pertaining to you know, the, the stability nature of, of, of the country, given that it's still a young country. There's a lot more to figure out than other geographies. And, you know, you have firsthand experience to the instability in Sudan, both as an individual based on your personal story, you know, the journey of migrating to the U.S., as well as as an entrepreneur, you know, a person trying to set up a business in, in South Sudan. What would be your call to action, you know, to other entrepreneurs maybe um, who have already established themselves abroad, you know, in the UK, in the US, in, in Canada, who are trying to, you know, set up back at home? I mean, the, the challenge is, is just when you start it, come back, you know, don't feel like you have to change the whole world without changing your own place too, you know. So everything is going to be hard no matter what. You can have a job, it will be hard. To, to just just continue your job. There's going to be risk involved, you know. So everything are the risk, but you have to come back home and also help people. You will find a great joy and pride in this. You know, you, you see people having a job, you know, like you going away. Because when I was going away, my community, my friend thought that I'm gone for good and never to return, you know. That's idea by that when you come back, it's like... the. the the price of being back to the community, the, the price of giving back, the idea of, you know, we can do this. We can do this. You know, the, the people will appreciate you, you know, the, uh, for what you do, not what you say you're going to do, but what you're actually going to do. You know, your, your record will show and will stain. You know, I'd rather try to give back than just having a fear in my head that, you know, if I do this, I'm going to fail, you know, all those kind of things. But trying, just try, just, you know, the, the true entrepreneur is the one that know that it's hard, it's tough. Even if they tell you, no, don't do it because, you know, it's tough. But the entrepreneur inside you, the social business, the entrepreneur, the give back inside you will not let you stop it, will make you do it and do it and do it. You know, challenges are there. I'm not going to be like, you know, like I went to this, uh, you know, people and, and talk about, well, what, you, what advice would you give to kids that want to start it, like want to be an entrepreneur? I say, the thing is maybe don't start it. But even if I tell you to don't start it, you will start it again because you are an entrepreneur. This is who you are. You know, and, and that's how it is. This is come back home. We have to create a job. Like Africa sent a lot of money back home every year. I don't know the number now going go even up. But it was in billions of money that the people in the Western world sent back home here, you know, so if we can do it another way, come back home and create a job opportunity. You create 10 jobs, 20 jobs. Now you help, 
economic of Africa, of East Africa, mostly. So I think that's ideal. You're already in, in, in South Sudan when we're having this conversation. And earlier, I think you hinted some of your plans, you know, in terms of establishing um, your footprint and opening a store maybe in Kenya. Let's crystallize this. What are some of the things that you're looking to achieve um, in South Sudan at the moment? And uh, specifically, what kind of footprint are you planning to establish in the country and hopefully in the region? So right now, the first thing is we're trying to put um, uh, our water factory. We put a water factory system. This is a system that is built in the U.S. and is built to us by GE, General Motors. For people that don't know, the system is, is now uh, about to be completed by the end of this month. So it would be running, the water factory would be there. And then um, following that, we will open a coffee shop in here. We will buy all the coffee in the region. And then uh, success to that, we're going to go to uh, Kenya and Ethiopia, open another water factory. Uh, and then also follow with the coffee um, because we want to have our own water. You know, that's, that's the key to us because um, our own water, our own coffee. So then we can have a consistent every time. Uh, we partner, we're going to partner with a company uh, called Global Water First. That is also, um, we partner with them in Kenya. We will partner with them in Ethiopia. They will also, you know, we work with them in that regard. And that will also, like, we're planning to open 20 water sites in East Africa. And it will be better than any other water that is because it's built by GE. You know, like General Motors, if you know about it, you know, like they, they run everything basically, you know General Motors, but if you don't know, it's something that to look up for. They are very, very big in in building a clean machines that has no rust involved, you know that. You know, all this factory has a rust and the rust cannot be killed by just chlorine, you know, like, Chlorine is not for us. It just kills bacteria. Even if you boil water, put all this. So right now, it's most of our water has rust in it. They just put a lot of uh, particles uh, into water so you can't see it. It's like if you put a ice into water, it will turn into water. And the reason being that is, but it's the particle of ice are still there. You know, it's not really pure water. But to your eye, it looks clear and crystal because it is a particle of ice. You know, it's a water-based uh, system. So there's also particles that involve in our water now. Those water that you drink has a little bit, they put a lot of particle in it because you cannot see the, the rust. They're preventing rust in it. In, in the Western world, they don't have that. They protect that already. So that's a machine that we want to do. Why do we drink rust and the rest of the world are not drinking it? So our water system will, will solve that problem. Um, and that's what we're working on. Let's talk about you know, some of the benefits that um, your homecoming will have to specifically uh, lower members of the supply chain. Um, what difference does it make to, to the farmer in, in Gambela that you're now in South Sudan, as opposed to just operating from DC? Well, the difference in make that they can actually bring their coffee, they can actually visit a coffee shop, they can actually help integrate, they, like interact with us, come to the coffee shop. And we actually can have a yearly planning with them. Like say, hey, you know, next December, we are actually wanted to have, you know, a 10 ton in your farm. How much would you sell for us? We can actually have a credit value that we can actually create a credit and say, okay, you need this much money to grow your coffee, right? So in return, some of it we will give you now, 
And then in like December, when you're harvesting, you know, we, we get, you know, like we can actually create a credit, a relationship. That's a real based on respect. You know, we can tell the story, not in term of like, look at this four farmer we're helping, but look at the hardworking man that's working hard every day to feed their family, you know? So, so, so the employment opportunity that he's giving to his people, the entrepreneur, because, you know, at the end of the day, this is people that are working hard. As much as we always tell their story in a term, oh, we are helping this farmer or this. No, no. We have to say these are, look, this man waking up every day, working hard to grow coffee, to give you a joy in your table, to put a joy in your table that you can enjoy. You know, a lot of work goes to that. But that person is a human being that work very hard to feed their family, to create a you know, clean environment. You know, coffee farmer can actually be in a climate change system because coffee is a tree. And if you need to plant a lot of tree, why don't you plant a lot of coffee tree? You know, so a lot of people would say, I want to plant 100 tree. Yeah, fine. But sometimes you can plant 100 or 10 million coffee tree that also has a benefit to human uh, people as well but also has a benefit of oxygen, the, the, the air we're breathing, the climate change. But we don't, we don't look this as, a, as, as a real people that have a plan. We just look them as, you know, we're trying to create a job for them. Is, uh, we're giving them, you know, like, like we have to change the mindset of saying, uh, you know, look at Joe, he's a, a farm owner of that. No, look at Joe, he's working every day to provide us, you know, like a thing that we need, a coffee in our table. The office is running because of his work. Like, let's, let's give this a credit, you know, let's give these people a credit because they really deserve it. They really deserve it. You drinking coffee and somebody has worked so hard day and night to grow it. They wait for six months. They make sure every water and the last drop and even goes to the coffee is good. Even the coffee that we bring, you know, we bring you the good coffee from a good farmer that put a lot of work into it, you know. And so that's the benefit, creating a job opportunity. That's also a benefit for them working with the farmer directly to motivate them. Uh, climate change, you know, empower these people so they can grow more coffee for the climate change in, in, in East Africa. That's also, and then the scholarship program that we want to create for Kate, you know, from our side of the scholarship, the 734. So that will also be benefit of this, the, the work, the people that are actually going to work with us. You know, that's a benefit, that's 734. Um, the last thing is our story, telling a story is the key to us because I feel like we had had a lot of coffee, but we hadn't told our story in a better way. Imagine today, the number one import of coffee is not even in East Africa. And we had the best coffee. The coffee was found in Ethiopia. It's actually Vietnam, you know, and have you ever seen the, like, let's, let's go in that regard. But that is also the benefit that, you know, knowledge is limited to what you know. If we can give our farmer a better knowledge, a better understanding, the vision, buying it, you know, so that will help us even more. That is a story that we want to tell. You know, we want to tell a story where we have the best coffee in the world. Coffee is actually founded. If coffee has been found in China, if it has been found somewhere else, the story of that will never disappear. But because coffee was found in Africa, I feel like the story is always flipping out because it has never been told and it has been never been an African coffee that actually owned the story, tell the story, have a relationship with the farmer. You know, they don't have that. And we're trying to bring that, you know, I'm not saying that it's going to be easy, but we're working and, and intend to do that. 
you know, that that would be the benefit of why our 734 headquarters has to be in East Africa. You know, um, back to just the geography where uh, 734 is currently setting up. South Sudan is the youngest member of the East African, you know, uh, community. How does 734 place, you know, regionally? Well, 734 is now we say face of South Sudan. There's going to be face of East Africa. It's going to be face of uh, Africa in general. Right now in September we open uh, a place in Dubai. We're going to say the face of Africa. It's not going to even say uh, we're debating to say face of East Africa in that perspective because we're going to bring Kenya coffee, Ethiopian coffee, South Sudan coffee, um, Rwanda coffee. Um, and so we can even go further to say face of Africa. You know where we can get the coffee from many part of Africa, you know. So South Sudan is a younger nation and that's why we need a, a positive story. Our story has been the story of war, the lost boy of Sudan, the orphanage, the children that are run because of war and this and the biggest uh, belly and you know like corruption all us. That has been our story. I just want a one positive story. You know one positive thing that you can be proud of. even if you're not from South Sudan even if you're just a Kenyan ordinary Kenyan and feel like wow man i respect that people that country you know they they come from a, a difficult past and change it to like tell the africa story you know we, we, that's what we intend to do and you don't have to be from South Sudan you know i admire Kenyan people because they work so hard and and also you know the Mpeso they created it you know like this is this is a pride that even if i'm not uh, i'm not a kenyan i i feel proud as a south sudanese as east africa community and also uh africa in general you cannot take that away so that's that's the story that we want to reach you know the young people are doing it but let's open the door for young people to tell a different story not a man that was from 1965 killing a lion running away from lion or running in the wall and you know has no education primitive kind of story We are PhD people. We are people that study coffee. We are people that are, you know, go to the medicine, done a lot of work. But yet, this story has been told from 1800 perspective, 1900 perspective, 1960 perspective. You know, so so how about if we try to tell a story now? We have the best coffee in the world. We actually tax savage that we can actually send you money from this and that. And that's what I, you know, like. you know we not we not far binds as a people thing we are we just didn't have a good way to tell our story and hopefully our media our people uh can help us in crafting our story better you know telling it the way that makes sense you know to people you know um i want to get back on rewriting african stories and i'll probably say that for parting shot from you but You know, you talked about setting up in Dubai. Before we get out of the continent, Manyang, let's talk about what's happening, you know, within 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 the continent. And mm-hmm. um recently we had the FCFTA, the African um Continental Free Trade Agreement that was um that commenced on January the 1st of of this year. How do you think a 734 coffee is or rather can place itself uh, better to take up, you know, such opportunities that promote trade within the continent i think i think it's, it's good start and hopefully they implemented it better because that's what we actually need for the longest time we this thing could have been done long time ago but this lady is better than never um i think 734 would be able to trade with many um not just like south sudan 
but many many coffee farmer in east africa uh and also africa in general i think you know the trade and also buying things is is tough it's like it's like harder to ship coffee from you know burundi to 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 south sudan you know like it's easy to even ship coffee from burundi to america it's very um and it's far away it's different continent so that should not be in a being a bigger problem you know so but i think 734 is in the position to look those opportunity if it open up you know to be helping to be working with people around the uh, east africa community if you were to start 734 coffee today um in south sudan or maybe ethiopia given the position of kambela what would you have done differently well i could have known you know how paper work has done you know there's a lot of things that i could have done differently you know like there's a lot of work that has gone to west for nothing that it, because i don't know um i could have just started in in africa and grow globally um and then you know like the sad up a bit you know could have been a little bit different but you know better in understanding now but you know other than that i'm very proud to start 734 coffee to tell the story of refugees tell the story of africa tell the story of of this resiliency tell the story and and give a job opportunity um create a scholarship program so i'm very uh very proud of it on to the last i have for you today um ali you talked about you know rewriting the story of africa which i really really align with given that you know there's a lot of good that's happening you know within different countries in the region but then we're only known for select set of stereotypes if you mind me so the story of mobile money the story of great flowers from kenya the story of coffee from sudan the story of what the minerals are 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 doing in other parts of the world is what well, is not told period for some of the products and is not really told to its full accuracy given giving out full credit um most of the times what can we do differently how can we rewrite the story of africa to the world well i think you guys are doing it now you know little but surely we're getting there i think we realize that you know every people every continent tell their story you know we hadn't we didn't get the idea from the beginning because we thought that well you know we don't have the media we don't have the tool to do it but now i think young people with the technology with the cell phone uh with the thing that are going on right now uh, i feel like we're getting there slowly and surely so it takes years it's not an easy thing it's not going to open overnight um but i think you know like the getting people recognition of talking about the positive uh of africa i think you know many country now are doing conference about africa they'll see like this is how people change the generational change you know i went to virginia uh, recently and people was talking about equity for africa you know basically many of big ceo are coming to talk about opportunity in africa so when those things are happening because remember human only respond to their interest you know we are we are good people but we also see thing in our own interest as well you know and so you will respond to thing based on your interest if it's not your interest you're not going to when you see the opportunity is coming to africa when you see a job opportunity when you see you can invest it in 734 and get your money back you know our media should also be telling a positive story they see you know it shouldn't be just discovered by somebody in somewhere else and tell the positive 
twisted in there, you know, some pew twisted in there. Um, or you don't have to feel like you are refugees and, and you know, that's when your story make news. You know, you should just be a regular guy that is doing a good work and also make a news in our own side of life, you know. So I think that's, I think it's coming, it's coming. It is a long overdue, but but it's coming. As I can see, it. you know, I see the, the vision now. I see the people are telling it. I, I see, you know, people of you, uh, like you will work day and night. Hopefully you change few people, 10 people, 20 people, and, and they listen and they may be turned in to listen to our people like my story, you know. And hopefully I change somebody's life, you know. They, they can see different Africa that they wanted to see, you know. So hopefully over time, it will bring us back to where we need to be. I think it will. And, and definitely at the Kenyan Wall Street, we'll always seek to advance, you know, better African stories. This is all I had for today, Manyang. Thank you so much for creating time for having this conversation. Looking forward to talking to you always. Thank you so much.